Is your child struggling from chronic constipation? If so, I invite you to try our Raise Them Well product, MagGo, that Dr. Wiggy developed in order to help kids and parents find natural and long-term relief. It is made with just a few ingredients, including magnesium oxide, which is not well absorbed by the body, but does help to flush um, flush out the body, and as well as magnesium, I'm sorry, as well as citric acid, natural flavors, and sweetened with monk fruit and stevia. Check out the link below to find MagGo on our website. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and I'm grateful and excited to welcome back to the show Dr. Nicole Craven. Hey, Nicole. Hi. Good morning. And thanks for being here with us. I'm so excited to have you on, as always. And uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, Dr. Craven is an integrative pediatrician. She works alongside Dr. Wiggy at Robin Hood Integrative Health. And um, extra plug, she is my kid's doctor, and we're so grateful for Dr. Nicole. Today, we are going to do something a little different and do kind of maybe the, the first of some myth busters that parents need to know. So there are a lot of messages in culture, perhaps in uh, traditional medicine, and that just kind of are assumptions made in parenting when it comes to the, the medical piece, that things that we are told are normal or just some misconceptions that just seem to be very prevalent. And so we're going to dig into just three of those today. We're not going to be able to solve all the world problems in this one episode, but we hope to just start that conversation, get parents to dig a little deeper and understand things that we think are normal or that we think are rooted in one cause that aren't. And so without further ado, Dr. Nicole, tell us about our first misconception that culture slash parents seem to believe that you would, that you see quite differently. Okay. So I always start with a but. So here we go. (laughs) The myth that not pooping for days is normal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in, in um, gastrointestinal conventional sense, constipation is usually seen as not pooping for about an average of a week or more. Mm-hmm. Or, or looking at the consistency of the bowels being hard and... Um, unable to move through the GI tract but for us in integrative medicine it is to optimize the health of the body in general we always look at the poop mm-hmm. <laughs> so go ahead and so contrarily to it's been a week or more and the stool is hard what are some of the things that you look at when you're considering constipation and I look so closely that the kids laugh at me because after I ask for like, what is your main goal or concern? Then I always go straight to the poop and have to ask <laughs> them detailed questions about what it looks like and how often they go and if it feels good. And uh, we start laughing after a while, of course. 
but it's, it's a, that's what I do. It's, I, I'm almost on remote control. I ask those questions so often. And why? I mean, well, I have a kid that wants to be a poop emoji for Halloween. So, you know, <laughs> that's real life. So I'm sure that that is like hysterically fun for some of them. <laughs> it is. It is. And embarrassing for others, but. Right, so right, right. Great. Yeah. And not we, every kid wants to be a poop emoji for Halloween. So, no, no. <laughs> So, but back to your original question is that we feel like because we know that the poop that comes out of our body is, is basic toxins and we do not want to keep toxins inside us for any longer than we have to, we want the transition of those to be as smooth and I don't want to say quick, but appropriate speed as possible. So a daily stool or even a couple times a day is ideal. And then- mm-hmm. The like what it looks like is important as well, of course. Well, do you want to? Sh- I mean, I've, I know it can be hard. Like I know I, I've seen um, used with some of this before, some images or some comparisons to things that we're familiar with. So, would you like to share with us what um, a healthy slash non healthy poop might look like? Yes, of course. You don't want it too loose. Everyone knows this. And you don't want it too hard. You don't want rabbit pellets. Sorry. Rabbit (laughs) pellets. Even if they're stuck together in a long log, you don't want that. You want it to be nice and smooth. And yes, it's funny because there are associations to make it easier associated with food, which is a little odd, but that's okay because people understand it. So mm-hmm. we often say one long, smooth log that stays together in the toilet. Some say a sausage. Um, there's just so many different ways to see right. what it's like. But you know what? The easiest way to tell is is just to look up Bristol stool chart. Yeah. The Bristol stool chart does the phases, and it goes – you know, I think there are seven. I'm not positive how many, but I know that the ideal poop number is three to four. Mm-hmm. And and the way that is described is like a smooth log. You can have some cracks, but not a lot of cracks and not pellets. And it doesn't fall apart. Um, it's not a loose patty. <laughs> sure. And, and the, kid, <laughs> the kids can describe that if you encourage them to. They can tell mm-hmm. you. And I always encourage parents to look, even though it's a silly thing. You think after a certain amount of time, it's really not. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. looking looking makes it easier. And occasionally they don't flush, so that that works too. Um, and, and, and beyond just what the poop looks like is subtle symptoms of the GI tract not functioning as optimally as it should be, which is usually gas or bloating or, or vague complaints throughout the day my stomach hurts Um, I'm hungry but I don't want food Uh, Mm -hmm. when I eat that feels funny you know just all the big complaints are super important right so you know when and I know we don't have time to get into every single situation right now but just generally when you're hearing like that that a kid's poop is not normal whether that be you know chronic diarrhea or or constipation or that it just it doesn't look the way you want it to um or they're complaining about these I know you're you're putting together a puzzle every with every single patient 
but relative to traditional gastroenterology, what are some of your first tests or steps that you go to help further identify the root cause? Well, it always suggests that that is an imbalance of the microbiome, which is the number one, you know, key. I wouldn't say, I can't say number one. I'd like to say number one. It is one of the absolute major keys to our health to have our microbiome in balance. The microbiome is just the coolest thing. If people don't know what it is, it's over a tr- 70 trillion bacteria in our gut, not to mention the yeast and the viruses. It's all these living organisms that are flourishing or not flourishing inside our gut. And we want it as diverse as possible. We want a ton of really healthy, good bacteria, some yeast. It's okay. Sometimes even have a parasite or two, um, depending on what type it is, of course, some viruses and have like a, a good diverse group of living organisms inside our gut that help us to modulate our immune system. That's really important, right? Mm -hmm, Right. We have these little patches all lining our gut that are immune cells, kind of like we have, you know, tonsils are immune cells. You can think of that. And they're in one bottle. We have patches throughout our whole gut. So they help us to teach our own immune system to not overreact to things and to not underreact to things. And they also keep the toxins out so they can break them down and pull them out. And we know we have a lot of toxins going around right now. And then they keep you from having food allergies because they break down the protein in the food allerg- in the foods that could be seen as allergy. And then they also help you absorb your vitamins and minerals. So they are, I mean, these living organisms are such a part of us that we, we don't really know or understand Now the science is showing it. It's been there. The science has been there and it's just only multiplying, multiplying, multiplying every day to show that the microbiome is so important to balance. So that's what we do. We see, you know, the poop's not perfect. We balance the microbiome. How do you know about the microbiome and what's there? You test the poop. (laughs) Right. And it's amazing. It shows you all of the organisms that are there and whether or not the inflammation or inflammatory markers are there, whether or not the immune system is functioning, whether or not you're digesting your food, whether or not you're building up antibodies to some of the more um, more common food intolerances such as gluten or dairy. Mm-hmm. Or right. I wish we could test chemicals. We haven't gotten that far, but we all know that the chemicals in our food are causing disruption. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's so many of them. There's so many of them. Anyway, um, no, that's a that's a really great overview. And it's so important. I think we live in this overly um, sanitized world where we when we hear bacteria, we ultimately we are like, got to get rid of it, got to get rid of it. And the these organisms that are living in our guts are so important. And we want more of them, not less. And that's one of the reasons why we have to be cautious with all the chemicals and the cleaning agents and the sanitizers and the antibiotics and all of these things that it's just like, get rid of, get rid of, get rid of when actually we want those to flourish and let your kids play in the dirt and they don't need to wash their hands every 30 seconds if they're not handling things with feces and so forth. I mean, there's just so many things that I feel like lead to destruction of the gut that we think we're doing the right thing when we're not. Right. 
and the SAD diet, standard American diet, has all of those refined carbs and sugars and additives and they only contribute to the bad, the bad bacteria like so happy when they get those and the yeast overgrow when they get those. And right. that leads to the imbalance. So it's all connected. Yes. So on that note, let's go ahead and move on to number two. We can't fix everyone's gut today, but it goes <laughs> right in line with number one, which is that Miralax is magical and the best thing ever for constipation. Why is that not true? Oh, well, so as we ended on chemicals, it's a chemical that's important for people. Yeah. Can you expand on that? Because I think that is so little known. We hear safe enough. Well, imagine that we hear a very similar message for many things these days that it is safe and effective and helpful for everyone. And it's natural. And, you know, you'll be shocked by the correlation. I'm going to tell you. So, Okay. Miralax is a, it's considered an osmotic laxative. So what does that mean? It works to pull, pull water into the colon where the stool is likely hard to then flush it out of the system. That sounds okay, right? It sounds okay. We, we have water in our body. We don't pull enough into the GI tract, we get our toxins out, but it's not okay because it's a chemical doing that. And in that, there are a lot of side effects involved. One is if there isn't a lot of water in the colon, it's probably because we need more water and electrolytes. So mm-hmm. we're pulling water in and we're pulling electrolytes out so we can get very dehydrated. Some people can, not everybody. I'm not saying that. Of course, side effects only mean some people have these things and you can get electrolyte deficient. Um, also, what it actually is, this is important, is polyethylene glycol, mm-hmm. PEG. It's a particular number, you know, PEG number two, I think 335 or something, but it, we have so many PEGs in our environment now. I do highly stress that people look this up of where is polyethylene glycol seeping into our lives in, in amounts that we have no idea. It's in products and it actually is derived from petroleum, which doesn't sound so great, does it? Not so great. Um, and I, I mean, I'm very familiar with lots of circumstances where not only you know, are we, are we working with this chemical, but it can have a lot of really negative effects on the brain for kids and create like psychotic episodes and just change in behavior. Is that true? Do you, is that something that is documented? Well, do you think? I don't think it's documented well in terms of large scale, double blinded placebo controlled studies, but I do know anecdotally, I see it and it's not it's on a small thing. It's scary. I have one child in particular that comes up when you say that where she did have, um, impaction. That means that the poop has been in your gut long enough that you can't get it out well in your end without it being kind of painful. So in order to cleanse them or wash them out, they get Miralax in large amounts in the hospital. And she did that. And she had a seizure within 25 Mm -hmm. minutes. Um, clearly had a very bad reaction to that. 
has not had a seizure since then, so that's beautiful. But we don't just avoid Miralax at this point, but we avoid all the polyethylene glycols, which unfortunately, you know, there's it's used as a gly. It's it's used as a glylipid, kind of like a carrier. Um, it's more complicated than that, but in the Moderna and Pfizer SARS mm-hmm. vaccine. Mm-hmm. Right. It's and that's just one example. I'm not, you know, we don't want to go down the vaccine um, spiral right now because we could talk forever. But it is in there, and and it's in a lot of products. It's in a lot of things surrounding us on a regular basis, and um, when you look up the side effects, you do know like known common side effects are weakness and dizziness some electrolyte deficiencies, but it doesn't say seizures or neurologic effects on, on the top of the list. Right. I've, I've certainly anecdotally heard because we, well, let me say first, as you well know, and some of our listeners might know, one of our most popular Raise Them Well products is a product called MAGGO, which is a magnesium oxide-based alternative to Marilax, which is completely natural, chemical-free, and very effective. And because of that product, I have parents reach out to me all the time talking about the many complex negative effects that Marilax had had on their kids, including complete psychotic episodes, complete change in personality, um, major ADHD types of symptoms. I mean, running the gamut when it comes to to mental things that when they got off of it were resolved when they started pursuing more natural alternatives but i literally have never heard of a child going to a traditional medicine doctor pediatrician struggling with constipation that they weren't told to take miralax every single day so that's... It's so commonly prescribed, and if there are two medicines that I would like to just very highly caution people, people to not use unless they are more second-line, third-line therapies, and we've done all the other things that are much easier and healthier to do, it's, it would be Miralax and any of the proton pump inhibitors. And on that note, both drugs, like proton pump, pump inhibitors say don't use after six weeks, Miralax, there really is not adequate study. There are not, there's not adequate research on the long-term effects of Miralax with children or the use in young children. Yes, it is not studied in young children, unless I'm wrong. It is not. And what happens, especially in our current state of um, the healthcare system, the gastrointestinal doctors seem to be extremely busy, extremely busy, meaning it's, it takes months and months sometimes to get in to see a gastrointestinal specialist. And on that note, they the visits might not, follow-ups might not be as frequent. So what I have seen, at least in the last couple of years, in my office is that patients are placed on Miralax, but maybe they just keep using it for years. Right. Right. 
And and same with proton pump inhibitors, um, like Prilosec, something as simple as Nexium or Prilosec. I know everybody knows those names. And they they can cause some major side effects in the body when we use them long term. Mm-hmm. Right. And and just for for our audience to know, if you are if you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know any of this, you're not alone, number one. And number two, our MAGO product is incredibly helpful for lots of kids. It is magnesium oxide, and um, we have an unflavored version. It's really helpful to get, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't um, cure the gut or the root cause. So you, it's not the, the end all be all, but it is a great alternative to Miralax to get rid of all those chemicals and naturally help your child to be able to go so that's just a little plug for that um get the toxins out mm -hmm. while working on maybe some lifestyle changes but the very good part about this is that if we just focus on some of the main things around us that are causing the constipation and we give them back the deficiencies that are the most common i mean the most common and in our children, it, we see results with that. I mean, great results with that. And what I'm talking about most specifically is changing up the diet to be something that is a little bit healthier and easier seen by the nervous system as relaxing and good for you. And then also replacing our nutrient deficiencies, fiber and magnesium, like you're mm-hmm. talking about. Right, right. Most kids are deficient in magnesium. Yes. And, you know, I would, we, we would always encourage you if you're going to use something like MAGO, which is magnesium oxide, one of the things that helps it to work is that it's not readily absorbed by the body, but it does help as a natural flush, which is what helps it to help um, with constipation. You need a, an additional form of magnesium that is highly absorbable whether that be topical or oral to help increase the levels in the body. So there's magnesium is amazing. It does so many great things and each individual type of magnesium uniquely offers different types of benefits. So it's important to kind of understand all of that. Um, All right. And fiber, 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 Mm, fiber too. Yes. Yes. All the fiber. And uh, my kids asked me the other night, they're like, um, why is it that not every family eats vegetables for dinner every night, but we do? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> let's talk, let, remember all those nutrition lessons? Let's have one right now. So uh, that was pretty great. But uh, anyway. <laughs> I like the curiosity. It's good. It is. It is. So let's move on to number three, which I think is also incredibly prevalent, all three of these. And that is that anxiety is in the head. We have an anxiety epidemic in our culture through all age groups. And sadly, our kids are heavily affected, especially after the last several years. So talk about anxiety, its root, and why we shouldn't just think that it's all in the head. There are so many causes that contribute to the feeling of anxiety, but specifically what we cannot overlook is, again, the gut-brain connection. 
there's we call we call the gut the second brain and the reason why is because in the gut microbiota there's at least 80 percent of our neurotransmitters so that's kind of a extremely large amount <laughs> right yeah yeah amazing namely serotonin which we hear about all the time as that little feel-good chemical that helps you helps reduce depressed mood helps you worry less it even helps you sleep more because it's the precursor for melatonin which is the hormone that helps us sleep and then also for the kids out there that don't feel motivated and aren't focusing, there's a neurotransmitter called dopamine that they're lacking. And that one is made in abundant levels in the gut. And it does help with attention and focus and help the kids get up and go and do the things that are expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty simple. We know through science that, the gut, we will communicate, this is why we call it the second brain, with the brain within less than a second. Wow. It's, that connection is crazy. Well, and some people and call the, the gut the second brain, which I like your description better, that they're just like, they're so, they intermingle or they are so heavily connected that they can't really be separated. And- we tend to think like the brain is so important. The gut is like, oh, if your stomach doesn't hurt, then it's fine. But that's not true. And um, it's amazing how heavily connected they are and how restoring the gut can be magical for so many things, including the brain, like you said, and definitely when it comes to anxiety and so forth. And that's such a good word restore so two things on that that are just priceless one is parents ask me all the time and i understand this question is is this a gut problem or is this a brain problem meaning my kid is worried they don't want to go to school it seems like it's completely worse this year and Mm -hmm. and she has loose stools sometimes alternating with constipation and what, where's the problem? And the answer is always so simple. It's both. You right. cannot address just one. You just can't. Yes. You look at the problem in the gut and you look at the problem in the brain and you look at the connections. Well, and, and, you know, we did a whole episode on ADHD not terribly long ago and discussed a lot of the same type of thing where, and I think, you know, again, traditional medicine rarely, I mean, you might hear removing artificial, removing sugar and removing um, artificial colors and that kind of thing, which I'm grateful that that's even being suggested now, but very rarely is there any strong correlation um, and, and focus on gut restoration when it comes to ADHD and, you know, all of the other behavioral kinds of um, issues, challenges that our kids struggle with, including anxiety. And we're very quick to jump to these medications that solely focus on the brain without addressing the gut, which isn't necessarily a cure as much as it is a cover-up, which again, 
it's that pill for an ill kind of thing that traditional medicine often covers. Oh, our dogs are going to have a standoff. <laughs> That's hysterical. It's so, it is true. Another interesting thing is um, in terms of the gut restore, restore mm-hmm. repair. So we repair first before we restore and why do we, what is repair? Well, there's like a lining inside the gut and you've got to heal and seal that. Make sure that all the chemicals are not seeping through, but that the inflammation is down inside the gut. And sometimes this is as, this is a great example of how strong that connection is to ADHD symptoms or anxiety. If you give probiotics and prebiotics are two beautiful things. Mm-hmm. They're amazing for the gut when they're given appropriately, right? When they're giving, given back in what is needed, but first you've got to repair. And sometimes you can give a probiotic without repairing the gut lining with some really soothing agents that lower the immune attack, that lower the inflammation and that increase the prebiotic fibers where the good bacteria can lay down first and thrive, you can give a probiotic to a child and cause a behavior problem. Right. Right. So that says a lot that, oh, my kid just took some healthy bacteria. Yay. And Mm -hmm. now they're really acting out. (laughs) Right. That's so fascinating. So fascinating. Um, All right, Nicole, as we wrap up, any last questions? nuggets of wisdom that you want to offer parents based on our three topics today. And if this is well received, then I would love to do it again sometime. And, you know, parents, if there's something out there that you're curious about a a message that you hear all the time that you're like, this is confusing. It doesn't make sense. I'm not really sure if this is right. Let us know, reach out to us on social media or whatever, and we'll see what we can do to get it addressed. I love when our listeners um, give us ideas for episodes. We've had that a lot lately and it's always, always fun. So, but any little nuggets of wisdom? I would love that too. Yeah. I would say important take-homes are research the meds, always research the meds. Some meds are great. I'm not saying that, but research them before. So you know what's going inside your body and then vague symptoms matter and they're connected. The systems are connected. Yes. I think that's one of the things too, we're told to ignore things unless they're huge, right? Unless it's like, oh my gosh, my kid isn't okay anymore. Um, And in fact, when we're doing this investigative work, especially around what integrative medicine focuses on, those big, small things are actually can be huge and helping us to better understand the underlying causes and then move toward restoration and healing, as you mentioned. Little pearls of wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us and for your wisdom. We always appreciate it and the work that you're doing to help our kids get well. So thanks again. And I look forward to next time. Emily, thank you for your voice. Oh, you're so kind. (laughs) I appreciate you. I appreciate you you speaking out and spreading good information. (laughs) Thank you. You have a great one. Take care. Bye-bye.